Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale your business from one business, from one business to, ver- to to multiple businesses, and from one million to one trillion. As I always open, today's guest is a special one. Uh, his name is Kimal Singh, or Kimal Singh. That's the 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 right way to pronounce it the founder and CEO at Andy Solutions and is coming is our first guest coming from Australia, uh, concretely or more specifically from Adelaide, uh, the south of, of Australia. Australia And uh, Kemal, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks a lot for having me on board. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we are recording this on, on your evening, my morning and uh, early mm-hmm. morning. That's why, guys, I'm still a, a little bit r- rusty <laughs> starting the, the podcast. I, I appreciate your your understanding. And uh, Kim, you, you have a, an amazing story. Just in, in four years, you were able to, to go from zero to uh, almost 8.5 million US dollars, which are the 14.2 million uh, Australian dollars, and you have you have a forecast to to get over the 10 million until the end uh, of the financial year. That's in your case, it's it's end of uh, next June, right? So so you'll be over uh, the 10 million barrier. Uh, as I like to repeat here a lot of times, because sometimes we forget, we just look to the to the shiny magazines and the shiny awards. And we forget how difficult it is, and we think, oh, uh, maybe there is something wrong with me as an entrepreneur that I'm not getting to the one or to the ten million, like him. What is going on? This is really, really hard, and we are here celebrating really the um, the outliers that are able to get to the next stage. So only four percent of all businesses get to one million in U.S. dollars in in revenue. Only 0.4 percent get to to ten million, and under. 0.04% get to an hundred million. So, so you are already part of the 0.4% uh, club or almost there. Uh, congratulations. So let us know more about, about your background, your story and how it all started and, uh, and then connect it with, with the ND solutions, um, your, your venture. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I, I was born in South Africa, um, and uh, my parents, yeah, my parents uh, were always big believers in education. Uh, they really raised us uh, to to learn always. Um, and uh, yeah, almost too much uh, that I came a little bit allergic to learning. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, when we were young, uh, we moved across to Vienna, Austria. Uh, Dad was a diplomat for uh, the South African embassy. And uh, I spent uh, four or five years in Vienna and we came back to uh, South Africa and then we moved to Australia when I was 12 in 1999. Amazing. What a great story. Oh, those are the starting years. Yeah. How far do you want me to go? You want me to keep going? Uh, yeah. Tell, tell me more about, about, your, uh, about your passion and... Uh... And yeah, so what happens after the the twelve years old mm-hmm. in Australia? <laughs> so passion. I'll wind back a bit because passion's interesting. I've always loved engineering. I've always loved science. I, I you know I used to 
just destroy things growing up and much to my parents dismay like brand new electronics things like that and uh that stuck with me and uh i um around about the time i was in um i'd finished school uh and um looking at jobs and things like that uh i found a an opportunity uh with an engineering company called bureau veritas um Yep. And that's where I got my entry into this career that I'm in. And it just so happened to be in in engineering. So it kept me excited. Um, and right. uh, yeah, um, I was able to, uh, to, I guess, find my feet with uh, with a job that where they paid for my study and put me in the field uh, directly with the customer's assets. Mm-hmm. And um that was, I guess, the ground for where the whole journey of ND Solutions began. Uh, mm-hmm. It was as a trainee who'd applied for a traineeship and working in the in the desert. Uh, hard work, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the temperatures out there, it, you know, one day it was, I remember we had the infrared thermometer out. It was 70 degrees in the sun uh, and, uh, you know, 50 wow. odd in the shade. So, well. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, you mentioned the story, like it, it all starts with with way back before you launch your business. Yeah. Everything starts with your foundation, your roots and, and the people you meet along the way, the, the things you learn and uh, the network you make. Yeah, that's, that, that's really great. So, so, so you joined uh, Bureau Veritas and, and then mm-hmm. you also add other uh, engagements or other positions working for for others right uh, mm-hmm. for other companies and in 2018 uh, you decide and, and by the way let me just look to your LinkedIn this happens in 2009 so almost 10 years later you decide to start your own company um so yeah tell tell us more about uh, ND solutions yeah sure um well yeah i mean i just uh, just prior i I'd, I'd always thought hey i wanted to do this you know i think i think we can do this better that that itch was there the, along the whole way um you know that we could do culture differently we could do training we could do innovation these are you know yep. these were beliefs and those beliefs right. they stir, stirred around inside for a long time and um it got to a point where i just you know I'd had enough and um, I uh, I left my job to go on to NBN work, which is our national broadband network at the time. Australia was constructing a, you know, a, a new internet for the whole country. It was a huge project. Mm-hmm. Wasn't anything related to what I was doing, but I needed an income and I needed to stop what I was doing. So right. I yeah, I started running electrical cables through roofs, you know, into people's houses and wow. and all sorts. Working working for my brother's company as a contractor just to just to earn a bit of money and break free. Um, oh, and and and, uh, and then the ND solutions. Uh, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah, so it was in March. We're of making us curious. That's that's a great strategy. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was, it was in March of 2019, and uh, yeah, I was, I was doing the hard work, and and you know what, that started to take off, and I, 
And uh, I started to work my way up. I ended up getting two trucks on the road, a little subcontractor business, isolating noise on the network. I used my ultrasound knowledge to do that. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing just went, uh, it, it imploded because in, NBN spent just cut through the contractor that we were getting most of our work through and nationally. And I'm glad it did because, you know, I would have pursued, I would have kept pursuing that if I was growing passive incomes and teams. Um, And it was lucky enough that I ended up getting my first opportunity uh, for one of the companies I used to work for actually uh, in non-destructive testing and engineering uh, to perform a tank inspection. And that was August of 2019. And that was the start. Mm-hmm. So non-destructive testing uh, for tanks. Uh, wow. Yeah. That, that is really a very specific uh, niche. It would not be the initial idea of an entrepreneur that it will go out there. Of course, your background is different. Engineering coming also from science, etc. But uh, yeah, it was mainly related with your own path, your own journey that you found opportunity there and maybe a niche that was not um, developed enough that you, that you could leverage that, that opportunity. So how, how has been the, the start, the starting up uh, days, right? So um, I know that... Uh, that this is a, a big story, right? So coming from South, South Africa as an immigrant to Australia, uh, really, you know, feeling that maybe you were a misfit in the corporate world and you wanted to start your own thing. You you believe that you could do better in, mm-hmm. as you said, in terms of culture and, and innovation. Uh, but then uh, we face the reality, right? And the reality is a bit more... Uh, challenging you were able to overlap and get to this amazing milestone but uh, what has been your story in terms of you know your really typically as it happens to any entrepreneur going through finding your uh, the resources uh, and and this kind of attitude that you are able to break through and go through the 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 ups and downs of of starting a business and and being a little bit resourceful and a little bit stubborn uh, and when things are telling you oh this might not be the way you you just keep going you keep finding ways uh, and uh, kind of going until the last minute to to find the the last cents and uh, and dollars to to keep paying the bills right and, and keep keep surviving until you start thriving. Oh, you hit the nail on the head, Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember one particular story. I mean, we can start where we left off previously. The the first yeah. job we got, you know, yeah. we were lucky. It was a quarter of a million dollars for a few tanks and they were big and I didn't have any equipment. And, um, you know, I, uh, I I didn't have much money either. I had next to no money. So, <laughs> but I was like, whoa, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. This is what I've been waiting for. This is it. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let anything stop, uh, stop me. And, and so I called up my whole network. Um, for, we were fortunate enough that my old manager, Sam Halifax and Don Finlay, they, they knew what I was like. So they were willing to use my reputation. And if I said I was going to get something done, I would get it done. Right. But they knew I had nothing. So, and they were, they were, they were kind enough to say, Hey, you should talk to this person to rent some equipment. And 
you know, I called a guy uh, at ND Tech, uh, Nick Burley, and he didn't, you know, he didn't know me from a bar of soap. And I, I sold him this dream. I was like, this is what I'm doing. You know, we're <laughs> going to do this. And, you know, just hoping the guy's going to lend me his scanner and and uh, loan, like rent it. And he did, you know, and, and I spoke to him a few years later and the guy was like, hey, man, I, you know, I thought you were a, a whack job. I didn't know you were, <laughs> but, but something about it felt right. And, uh, you know, he rented that yeah. bit of kit to me. And then I went to Olympus and and we figured we would do this a bit differently. I, I found a sort of a different way to verify the corrosion. I won't bore you with the technical details. And uh, I said to Olympus, hey, can you guys rent me these phased array units, um, which were, you know, they're sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a pop. And I needed two. And um, and they, they rented me the two phased array units, which they normally don't do. But I said, look, I'm going to put in a big order. You know, as soon as I kick off, I'm going to put in a big order. And sure enough, we've ordered a lot of equipment from them. So but, but I really have to thank all these suppliers for, you know, just trusting in you, or in me right. and, you know, a, a huge leap. So um, <laughs> there's a lot more bag borrowing, you know, in the, in the right. course of this. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you get all the people along the way who say it can't be done, you know, it, it's going to cost us yeah. much. I mean, uh, you take a mountain one step at a time though, right? Yeah. And and what is the, the, the so we talked about the size of the business in terms of revenue, in terms of ad count, uh, how large is, is the company today? Uh, we're roughly 80 staff altogether, somewhere around there that, not full-time equivalent but yeah roughly yeah and uh about seven, uh, 70 of those are in our services arm which does inspection mm -hmm. testing on yeah. oil and gas defense mining assets and 10 of those are in the technology company got it and and so of course okay you are here introducing uh new variables in terms of the you have different companies uh, almost in the group now so it, it has evolved mm -hmm. from one company to to multiple companies at uh, at this stage but for the initial business so uh and solutions right still um what what was the ideal customer profile? Was it much more, as I can understand, when you were talking about oil and gas and mining industry, maybe uh, large corporates or enterprise companies or or more mid size? So what what was the typical size of of the companies that were your uh, clients in the beginning and and today, right? We did it in reverse. You know, most people I've known about who started up inspection companies they go for small companies they build up their qa yeah. systems and they work their way up we started on the other end we went straight enterprise. to the big customers okay. yeah enterprise like billions in, in revenue like so for example bhp was one of our early customers um and you know they're the big one of the biggest miners in the world uh and then santos uh, one of the yeah. largest oil and gas players in our country so billions amazing so that and again, it it requires a lot of uh, determination to to start selling to those large customers uh, and convincing those suppliers. And after convincing those suppliers, then you need to uh -huh. go convince the client uh, to yeah. to do the service, right? Uh, how has been that that process? Of oh man, it's initial, been 
the initial, uh, let's say, 10 clients. Not, not sure how many clients do you, do you have today, more or less? Uh, I, I think we're, it's over 100, but but as yeah. far as big customers go, it's only, you know, it's it's, it's about five or six. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we, we started off as subcontractors, so we came in under another company and we just hung in there and through, you know, good hard work and service and uh, doing things differently, we we're yep. able to kind of stand, stand out. Um, and and, and we, we just kept at that. And, you know, there were so many traps and pitfalls along the way. Um, you know, some of these other companies, um, we had some really good working relationships with a company called Stork. And then there were other ones where, you know, it wasn't the best subcontractor arrangement. And um, I kept reminding our people, you know, no matter what they say about us, you know, no matter what the lies that are spread, I said, just don't say anything bad back ever. Just focus on what you do. That's all you need to do. And that's what our people did. Just focus on the job and how much you love it and how much and what we're doing together. And um, just that. Uh, day in day out staying on that focus and hanging in there eventually those customers um trans transferred over to us i mean through through various different circumstance mm-hmm. and things like that but yeah that that was probably one of the most stressful things you know we we never knew when all the work was going to switch off and you know we could be packing up but we just didn't have time to think about it that way though right so it was really okay. You you found a niche. You found an opportunity. You needed to find the resources because we we are not going too deep here in terms of of the industry. So you needed to convince some providers to be able to deliver the service. Go convince the customer, and I I assume then during the the first projects you need to fine tune and understand how to position the prop, how how to sell it in in the best way to highlight the benefits. Uh, and then, of course, after selling, also delivering, having a a, a great uh, quality of service uh, for for the customer, and starting to to work in terms of the recommendation, the referrals, word of mouth to to keep facing. And and then it's interesting that you you say that you have five six big customers and you have a, a portfolio of uh, over. And Android customers, so you kind of went more downstream, right? So you started on at the enterprise level instead of doing mm-hmm. the opposite, as you said, kind of starting with smaller clients, mid-sized businesses, etc., testing it out, easy to to get in. Uh, then you start going upstream in terms of the size of the customers. In your case, you did uh, exactly the the opposite, and it worked for you. And I assume that then those big logos also. Uh, helped you to win confidence to go to to more the mid-size uh, players. Uh, is this a, a right a right interpretation or assumption on on my side? I mean, I don't know if it was strategic in that way. We kind of just, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, it was where you were able to get right. So yeah. we need to get a so certain we... level of revenue. Maybe these are the guys. This is opportunity I have. Yeah. These are the contacts that I have. Let's just call them. <laughs> that's that's what I have. Pretty much, get anything you can get at the start. Love starting. the candor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and look, we were fortunate enough to to. To, to be attracting customers that were in the niche that we wanted to provide. Uh, 
because I only learned about later that, you know, in business, you don't want to go for every type of customer. And, you know, we focus a lot more on the advanced side of the inspection and testing um, world. And uh, we were lucky enough to, I mean, we were always, when we meet people, that's what we talk about. So the customers kind of filtered through that way, but we went for anything we could because we didn't know when the next meal was coming or if one was going to stop. And so we were hungry. Yeah. And if you would need to highlight some of the lessons learned, then we started we, we, we start to talk a little bit more about the, you know, the beginning of being frugal, resourceful, finding a way to to make that opportunity work, kind of also survival mode at a certain point, uh, selling mm-hmm. to the first customers. Then what were the main lessons learned when you you started to, you know, find product market fit and start scaling the company? to to the next stage and now getting close to the to the 10 million us dollars in in revenue e lessons wow that's a tough one uh, i mean there's so many of them um <laughs> i guess could be about hiring it could be um, you know uh, hiring yeah. my mind was going there you Culture, know, yeah. yeah try not Sales, to marketing uh, so yeah so many so many areas it, it it's incredibly challenging with hiring and, uh, and and firing you know like i'm not a kind of person like that really hits home um you know i learned about the um the matrix on values versus performance yeah. and the the people with with good values and 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 poor performance i struggle to let go of them you know it, it, and mm-hmm. I, I tried and tried and tried, and that right. was a struggle. Uh, and the people with low values and high performance, that was a bit easier for me because, you know, I saw them as a danger to the rest of the people. But I guess that's a core lesson to make that more swift because yeah. early days, it you can't afford to not have someone who's 100% aligned with your vision uh, and your values and, um, you know, your team's vision and values and, um, and they need to perform like you just, you can't afford it. Your, you know, your house yeah. is on the lines. So. Yeah. That, that's a really great, uh, point. And uh, yeah, difficult to do, especially, especially when, when it comes to, you know, having one of those sales reps that is really, you know, representing, 80% of your revenue and if we're just at the beginning uh, and uh, having your first rep achieving quota and it's clearly, you know, toxic from a cultural perspective and uh, what you do. So those are the kind of, because when we, we speak about eye level about these kind of things, it seems, oh, of course. So if, if it's not a cultural right. fit and even if it's having an amazing performance, yes, but I'm fully dependent on the skills of that person at this stage of the company later on maybe uh, we are most we are not anymore dependent uh, as we are scaling on just that person but even maybe 20 percent of the revenue is coming from that rep so if you fire that rep it's still 20 percent of the revenue that is at risk and you need to ramp up the new ones or they are already in the process of ramping up but we you don't know if they will be performing and bringing those 20 percent back right and you want to grow so which which is not about having those 20% back it's about finding the 20% and an extra 20 or 30 or 50% uh, 
uh, and, and I'm talking about reps, but it, this can apply to uh, any kind of, of position. I'm just saying that this is more connected with revenue, with, with sales. And we know that in the beginning of, of any company, uh, and even after that, uh, sales are the blood of, of, of the company. Uh, and, and, and that's the way we, we have the resources to, to invest in the future and to, and to, and to serve the customers as well. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a series of uncomfortable decisions across yeah. and, and ones that induce fear. But, you know, yeah. I, God, you, you just can't buy into the fear and overthink yeah. things. And because that's that it just it's, it spirals. If you do, yeah, uh, you just got to just got to do the right thing. Go. Right. That, that's the saddest right, that, right. I, that I love, even if it isn't comfortable, even if you think, oh, maybe this is not the right mm -hmm. timing. But yeah, if you start waiting too much, then then you are being complacent with uh, with that kind of behavior and attitude, and it will shape your culture uh, in the future, right? So, kind of, which shows that we say one thing and we do another thing, and we all know that in leadership, behaviors mm -hmm. and actions uh, count much more than words. So it, it doesn't matter if we go to the town hall and the all ends meeting. And we say all beautiful things about our culture and everyone looks to each other and say, this is not the reality at all. And that's not what we live here. <laughs> so this might be a, an amazing PowerPoint, an amazing speech, but uh, that's not what, what we are living here. Right? Mm. Yeah. I, over the years, I, I, I like that you said, you know, do the right thing. Cause I feel like uh, before starting the business, there was this journey, uh, this, this soul searching journey on releasing a lot of my fears and, and getting in touch with what my heart wants to do and my heart's path. And, and that's like my compass uh, on doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and I have to watch out that I don't stray too far from that because it's so easy to just get caught up in life and not, to not be able to hear your heart anymore and what it, what your, you know, what your heart wants and what's the right, right way and the right thing. I think that we could do an entire episode about, you know, about the decision-making process and being right self-aware. Uh, and we know uh, as we lead and as we get more experience leading companies uh, that sometimes the rational mind is telling us that we should go in a certain direction. It, it's, it seems so obvious for everyone, so consensual about the path to go, but there's something wrong about it that we just feel. Mm. And I think mm. that the majority of us then regret that we have followed our rational mind instead of what our art and our emotional side was telling, right? So of course, our emotionals mm. can also create some friction and some noise, and we need also to be mm. careful to not do um to be to be careful with the way we use emotions to make decisions because sometimes it it can also drive us in the wrong direction but that's that kind of gut instinct sometimes when it seems that uh, that decision is the right one to go but we don't feel comfortable about it um and and i like something that that you were talking about fear which is typically the the right moments to to give a step forward is when we are feeling fear and excitement together when we are mm -hmm. really scared but we mm -hmm. really want desperately to do that right so and and it's really the one of the moments of starting a company going to sell to your first customer or to your second customer 
you know, convincing your your provider and maybe you know having uh, a certain financial responsibility towards your provider to go try to sell something that you don't know if you will be able to uh, to sell or hiring your first people and not having a clue if you will always have the way to pay them at the end of the month and maybe they are leaving something that is paying them well uh, and mm. putting in risk their families so those kind of of risks right mm. so the are much more difficult to I'm, I'm just giving examples for for the ones uh, who are going through this to relate and reflect about it and for the ones who are thinking about giving the step forward to, to know that this is really, really normal. And uh, I think that the, oh, yeah. the ones who are able to to get to the other side are the ones who are able to to go through their emotional roller coasters and and stay sane during the during the process. So uh, I like what, what you said about you know going through a soul searching uh mode because I, I really think that entrepreneurship it's all about that. So we are able to connect mm-hmm. with our deeper roots uh, and face our yeah bigger fears during this process and that's why everyone says even if we don't get anywhere in terms of with our companies uh and sometimes we do the right thing but the timing is not right the market is not there and and we have the right attitudes and maybe it's only our second or third company that we are able to succeed Mm -hmm. the the experience to go through that will make you a much better person even let's not talk a better professional right that will be much more Mm. valuable to other companies if you get back to the job market uh, or uh, until you start another one and you try the the second one just as a person Mm -hmm. you will get to know Mm -hmm. so much about yourself you will get much more stronger much more resilient much more resourceful Uh, things in the corporate jobs will will seem much more easier right so this is not a challenge to me anymore right (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I definitely cool. definitely couldn't go back. <laughs> exactly. I, I can see. And um, yeah, so you were talking about that you also have a tech company at, at this stage. Tell tell us a bit about the evolution. So how do you go from, from your core business to then evolving more to, uh, and maybe from a services business and, and then starting to, you know, to build your your first product business as a as a tech company so what excited you about going into that route what is the plan for the future what what is your vision right yeah sure i mean i we we always knew that we wanted to build something and create something um you know josh uh cleary he was the person that kind of made this all come together where i'm the ideas guy he's the executioner this none of this could have happened without him i um i think uh i think it's worth noting before i go into the next part on innovation um if you're an ideas person who can't focus on one thing, you need to find yourself an executioner who believes in you. That That is a critical first step. And that was a critical first step for um, for me was finding Josh. Um, and, you know, this guy's amazing. So we both loved innovation. I mean, we'd modify things with popsicle sticks uh, and, and make these scanners to work off their equipment and sandpaper and all sorts like uh you know i'm talking expensive equipment modified with whatever we had so we always had that in us um and then it kind of came out of necessity our first product because we um 
I mean, I hired a tech guy, uh, an R and D guy, because I met him, and, he, and he, this guy was amazing. His name's Nick Absalom, and we started working on something completely left field to what we produced. But our customer, we we lost at least the contractor we were contracting to lost their main contract. So by extension, we lost ours and the new incumbent coming in didn't want to work with us. And for us to save ourselves on that services contract, we offered up a brand new product solution and we got, you know, proof of concept out reasonably quick. So that was our first, you know, product. And then it turned into three products now because, you know, we found that we made the one product and now we need a software and we're using other people's hardware and it's not fast enough. So, so now it's, it's, it's three products. Um, wow. And then we realized, oh, geez, this, this needs to have its own legs and it's got its own business and this needs to be selling international. So we kind of just, we fell into it out of necessity, but it was something that we we loved and desired, uh, you know, um, and uh, right. and then it just it kept growing. Yeah. And now you have 10 people on those, let's say, free products that you call much more your kind of your technology arm. So people can relate uh, when when they are listening to 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 us today. Absolutely. Okay, so and that is the moment where you are kind of having an identity crisis, right? So uh, mm-hmm. you found out a need on on a client, and you almost needed to turn around the client with a product uh, mm-hmm. that came from your services business. But it's really, really different to you know to develop and to scale a services business and uh, a product business, right? Uh, they are different. And and then you you start to have more than one focus, and and, and this entrepreneur also, you know, going from one business to multiple businesses, and even from one to two requires a lot of discipline. So you don't lose what we always talk about focus, right? And mm-hmm. and, and maybe there is the temptation about going to the new shiny business, the product one that might be much more scalable in the future than the services business that might be much more dependent on human resources and people to to scale and maybe the product side might not need so much so many people to to be able to uh, to scale right and uh, and clearly uh, depending on the entrepreneur you might be more a builder than than a scaler so you are someone who is excited about innovation starting new stuff of course of course you can always always innovate uh, in a business that is that is scaling, and you need to 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 go through the the different plateaus. You need to 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 find your breakthroughs to to get to the um, to the next stage. But how how are you able to to manage multiple multiple businesses as as a CEO, even having the operator, as you said, supporting you? Not very well, Mike. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love your candor also. I'm trying to put things in a much more scientific and, you know, management leadership business kind of very oh, sophisticated. But, but, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's a, You're dividing your, your attention and, you know, where your attention goes, it's, it's where energy flows. And... Um, you really, I mean, our, our services business, that's that's our that's our baby. That's that's providing seed funding to a tech business. But this tech business, 
created out of nowhere save the services business. So they're beautifully symbiotic, yeah. uh, but they really do need their own journey. So, you know, we've been toying with the idea of, of finding uh, an, a replacement CEO for myself um, in the um, services business, but someone who can love the people and the business as much as I do and who can take it through that next stage of growth. Being um, like I am, I'm, I'm kind of allergic to structure outside of, you know, say you're say you're 10 million plus. Yeah. Uh, and I know that about myself. So uh, finding someone who can, who can adopt that level of structure and push the business forward, because like, it's, it's, it's not the same business it was when I started it. And I could, I could see and touch every piece, you know, um, it's, it's a new game now. And I just, um, it needs a new leader who's going to be better than me for the next stage. Uh, and it's a daunting, daunting task and a daunting decision, like um, and daunting search. And I mean, you, you got to pick the right person. Yeah. Um, but then, if you pick the right person, you got to make sure you don't step in and step on their toes either. I, right. <laughs> I, I hope I answered your question there. But I mean, these are sort of the things I'm feeling right now. And um, but I've sort of stepped back from the technology business. I found a a product manager who's managing that business right now. So, and giving my full focus to the services business, because we got to get this thing running. Like right now, like I still, I still got this, um, you know, it's all in the setting up the pieces in the perfect way for it to scale up for the next level. And so I've just, I've got to give it my full focus. So two things that I would like to highlight in, in what you said, right? So the the first one is really having your services business that is very common, uh, funding your product business, right? And and maybe you want to go through a much more accelerated kind of growth, but not sure if I'm able to say that because you were able to scale services business almost to 10 million in revenue in, in four years, which is very uh, high growth rate as well. So if you are able to do the same with with the product business, it would be amazing as well. So uh, I'm not sure if I, if I can compare, but you, you get typically we believe that product businesses might take a bit more to, you know, to get to a certain um critical mass but then they will be able to scale up much faster than than the services one the services one might might get there to a significant level of revenue quicker but then they are much much more difficult to of course this depends from business to business from industry to industry i'm 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 just generalizing here but that's the common understanding in 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 the sector so um, so it seems more on the product side that typically people on the tech side like to go more the venture buckets uh, kind of route, but you are not uh, using kind of uh, external funding to, you know, to to get to product market fit. So you, you just want to use that mm-hmm. kind of funding when you are ready to, you know, to accelerate or considering to use that kind of funding when you are ready. So at this moment, you are much more bootstrapping as you start your first company. Uh, the, the 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 next companies you are just funding uh through the first the first business right and also diversifying right? and and then you are going from this movement of uh you know moving from one business to a group of businesses uh and you you are aware that uh, you you can't be everywhere and also finding out about more about yourself uh 
where you can play a, a stronger role and uh, where mm -hmm. should you let go, right? So kind of when we start scaling the company, we need to start delegating functions as as the, as the CEO and it needs to start letting go. Now you go to mm -hmm. another level of a group, almost a group CEO, right? And you need to start letting go some of the CEO positions of certain uh, businesses and mm -hmm. you start reflecting uh, about it. But it's difficult because you don't want the business dependent on you. And that's a great mm -hmm. sign if a business can be led by another person, which shows that the that business is much more valuable than if the if the business needs that specific kind of CEO, that, that specific founder to make sense, even from an economic perspective, because you can't find anyone mm -hmm. else that is able to work for that kind of compensation <laughs> that, that, that it happens mm -hmm. for a long time, right? So you are the only one mm -hmm. that is so passionate about it that you are able to get paid so low uh, and have so so many challenges uh, and have yeah. so much fun at the same time. It would not change it for 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 any anything. So that that's really mature to have this this kind of you know uh discussion uh even if mm -hmm. it doesn't happen right if if you don't even if you decide to keep running your your services mm -hmm. business and not hire a ceo um mm -hmm. i think it's very healthy uh and the an exercise that i love to recommend to, to 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 founder ceos is okay let's let's write down the job description of the ceo that the company needs for the next year and and let's mm -hmm. see where are my gaps in terms of the skills that i need to develop to get ready for the next stage of growth of the company. And let's always be ahead of the curve, right? So let's let's not get to the moment that the business is growing quicker than myself and that I'm not aware about where are my gaps. So even, even as, as a founder CEO, I need to you know keep reinventing myself and learning and learning new things to be able to cope with with the growth of the company. And so that, that's that's a really Great discussion. So let's go to the last segment of of the show, Kim. If if you agree, uh, great great conversation so far. Yeah, I, I just want to touch on something you said there. Yeah. You know, I really I really really liked uh, what you were saying there. You know, what what kind of CEO do I need to be for this next stage of growth, and to not you know stagnate. Um, and it, it brings me back to this. Um, I, I don't know where I heard this this quote, but it was it's not. It, in nature, it's not the strongest or the smartest that survive. It's those with the best ability to adapt. Yeah. And Darwin. Uh, yeah. Darwin yeah. 100%. And in your exercise, that personifies that completely. Um, and and I'm going to use that, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So let's, let's go to, to the last segment of the show where we do hear a quick uh, round of, of questions and answers. So if you would be able to go back and have a coffee uh, with your younger Kim. Uh, what advice would you offer to your younger self at the beginning uh, of MDE solutions? Yeah, I mean, I would start wine before MDE solutions even started because the journey yeah. starts before you start the business. Like it starts a decade right. before sometimes, you know, right. uh, for me it did. Uh, and, and that is be patient. Um, don't seek joy at the margin. Um, don't waste your money. You know, I, I was just as a kid, I, it's always seeking a, a quick thrill, a quick reward. And that's, yeah, that does not serve success. Um, and and then also uh, invest in Bitcoin. I love it. Good one. 
<laughs> I'll say if you were if you were being serious or not, but yes, <laughs> that, that, that would be great. <laughs> or, when it was at a dollar, you know. It just, yes, it, it depends on the timing. <laughs> be careful with the timing. Also, another lesson <laughs> to teach our younger uh, selves. Yeah, that's not uh, advice for anyone moving forward. By the way, that was just yeah. uh, when Bitcoin was at a dollar. <laughs> exactly. Just to be clear, what are you the yeah. most proud of on your journey so far? Oh, seeing the team rally to a cause and a challenge and overcoming that challenge. And that's happened on multiple occasions, but you know, there's just, just, there's been some big ones that, that process, it gives you so much faith in, in a, in a company's ability to, uh, to achieve anything when you work together. Amazing. I, I love that kind of feeling. I'm, I'm really a, a team player and I love to, yeah. you know, coach both the team and the individual and, I have so much satisfaction nowadays when I see a team that really, you know, works together in sync, that is able to go through the problems and and that fun going through them. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really magical. Worst advice ever received. Oh, worst advice. Oh, ooh. Kim, give I, up. You, you should not keep pursuing this. This this is really I was literally, <laughs> literally about to say that. And you receive the worst advice all the time. It's yeah, don't do that. You know, you'll you, don't it's like don't run, you'll fall. That kind of advice and all and all advice that fits into that category. Yep. Don't listen to the naysayers. Like when your gut tells you to go, just go. Um yeah. that, that is that is literally it. Yeah, the worst advice is um that you can't do yeah. what what you believe you can. Yeah. And that's that's something that I like or, to say to to founders that I think it's really important. At first I I'm much more specialized on on the scaling up stage. So of course I know about starting up. I, I've I've I did it by, by to myself. But um but yeah some uh, typically you need to figure out in, in the first stages and I don't know the different industries, right? So so I, when people are telling me something that doesn't make sense that I don't understand, it doesn't make it doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense because I don't know, right? So, so that's typically Absolutely. I'm not the right person. Uh, talk to this person that 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 might know much more about it, and, and really not trying and and trying to encourage people to to keep going and and just because we don't understand what they are talking about, uh, just demoting them and thinking that we are doing them a great service by telling them the truth but it, it can really take an emotional toll and we are talking about something that we don't know of course that's a different situation when we know about that industry and that niche and we know that that person might be going in the wrong direction then i would rephrase and say look according to my previous experience working with company x y and uh, uh, and and z uh, typically this didn't work so well but it was a different timing and maybe it can work for you now. Uh, but just you are aware about those facts. And uh, But yeah, keep going and, and test out your assumptions or or just refine it and, and improve your hypothesis. So let's go to the resources. Favorite, uh, your favorite book can be business or non-business. You, you decide. Well, 
I I haven't read many books. I do have a favorite because I um I couldn't focus uh, for too long as a child, but I've only discovered the joy of reading uh, in my older years, and that was only a few years ago. Um, but the, I, if I had to choose amongst the six books I've read so far, it'd be Play Bigger, um, which you know, an amazing book. It's uh, it's about category design and uh, it's a business book. It's it's awesome. Love it. Your favorite movie or series? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you gave me this one in the previous uh, in the notes, and I didn't. Uh, I couldn't uh, come up with an answer for it. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a big I love cinema. I'm a big cinephile. Um, uh-huh. uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, the gladiator, would, that's the typical entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Invictus was one of the one of the ones I really liked because uh, you know it's a story of triumph. And it's just, yeah. it's a very moving movie. Uh, and, you know, um, I was originally born in South Africa. So, so I think, I think that's a, it's a very powerful film. And then it's also my favorite poem, uh, Invictus by Hemingway. Um, so. Wow. Right. And finally, your favorite podcasts, of course, excluding this one. <laughs> Ex- oh, excluding this one. Um, I, I would say Joe Rogan. Uh, but I don't yeah. listen to all of his stuff. Um, there's, you know, just selective on the on the uh, on the guests, I guess. Yeah, of course. Kim, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, congrats for your journey so far, and all the best for for the next chapters. And uh, you are always invited to come back to to share the the upcoming chapters. So. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on board, Mike. I really appreciate it. And to our community, thanks for being there. We keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier as you scale up your company. See you soon and keep scaling.